Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come. Join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person, will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Sometimes the lectionary throws us a curveball, a text so terrifying that if you don't deal with it, it will wake you up in the middle of the night. Do you ever wonder about Isaac's adult relationship with his father? I do. I picture him on an imaginary analyst's couch saying, I really wish my father hadn't done that. I wish he'd said something like, what? You want me to kill my only son? Well, then I'm sorry, because then you're not my God, because my God is a God of love and compassion and mercy. Or perhaps Isaac thought his father was a victim of religious delusions, that it wasn't really God who was asking him to make this sacrifice but his own sense of being haunted by this God he had committed himself to, who then demanded obedience, not once, but again and again. Of course, that's not how the story goes. Phyllis Tribble has called this story one of the Bible's texts of terror, and so it is. But it has a meaning that transcends our 21st century understanding of family relationships. Think of Abraham as the first monotheist, the first person to understand that God is one. In our story, he stands for his whole tribe, moving from an old understanding of many gods to a new understanding of the one God, involving a new understanding of community, of commitment, of faith, a radical departure from what had been. So Abraham is asked again and again to prove his faithfulness. His whole life is a saga of faithfulness tested in which this last test is the greatest and most heartbreaking. Indeed, rabbinic tradition sees the cycle of stories about Abraham as 10 tests or trials in which he has to entrust his whole life and future to God. 
In looking at Abraham's story, it's helpful to remember that it describes a time as far before the life of Jesus as we are after. 4,000 years ago, infant sacrifice was known in Canaan and in the Phoenician colonies of North Africa, and even sometimes in Israel, as a way of averting divine wrath when times were tough. Israel recognized that the firstborn belonged to God, but redeemed firstborn human beings by an alternate sacrifice of an animal. So now you see how this story of the ram starts to develop, how it comes forth from the culture of its time. The larger point of the story, though, is how God will see to all things. In fact, the name Abraham gives to the mountain of sacrifice, Moriah, means God will see. Abraham travels into the wilderness, in itself symbolic of the place where we might feel abandoned, where life itself is at risk. And after three days, he leaves the young men he's taken with him and travels on only with his son. In this culture where wives and children might be thought of as property, if beloved property, children were also one's security and one's future and the closest thing people had to eternal life. In this context, the point of the story is not, after all, Abraham's cruelty toward his son, but his absolute faithfulness to and trust in the God who was revealed to him and who would make his descendants through Isaac and Ishmael and others as numerous as the stars of heaven. This text is asking us if we, like Abraham, will choose God, a question that Paul takes up in his letter to the Romans. And again, we're looking at a cultural disjuncture that comes with the passage of time. Paul asks what it means for our lives to choose God, and he's asking this of a community he hasn't visited yet. It's written to people who have more experience worshiping other gods or none, to people who have just recently heard the good news of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Romans. To us who may have spent years sitting in the pews, Paul's theology of sin sounds like old news. We've heard this. We know the story and the message. We know that it's important to look at our lives to see if we're choosing behaviors that lead to death. But I think most of us feel fairly well insulated from the kinds of sin we imagine lead to death. Churches are full of nice people, even good people, with good intentions and the occasional brilliant program to love and serve our neighbors. And yet, how do we interpret the wages of sin? Is it just our own deliberate malfeasance, or is sin also a way of being in the world that diminishes the lives of others? How do we do harm? In examining our own lives, do we pay attention to the larger community of neighbors in this global village? Where do our clothes come from? Who makes them? Where does our food come from? How far does it travel? Who works the land? Is our use of water sustainable 
so there will be enough for everybody. Do we cut off people when we're driving? Are our financial ch choices ethical? All of these can be part of a modern definition of sin. But more important than all of this is Paul's conclusion. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not just talking about living a moral life to avoid punishment, but about contrasting two completely different ways of being in the world. There's a life lived for self, which he describes as a kind of slavery with no other purpose than to avoid pain, which is not possible to do anyway, and leads to the kind of death he's talking about. And then there's a life of Christian liberty, of service to Christ through love. This is a life that shines with possibility of growth and change and joy and pain and movement. A life that's deeply involved with other people, a life lit up by the grace of God, and a life that's abundant. The difference between the two is all up to us. It's our choice. Part of living this life of grace and abundance that's offered means being people of radical hospitality. The gospel addresses this when Jesus says, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. In Matthew's time, the person you sent was your legal representative, the same as if you'd gone yourself. Jesus then follows that up by saying, whoever gives as much as a cup of cold water to a kid or to someone who has no water, that person receives the reward of connectivity, of inclusivity, of eternal life. So looking back at the 4,000 years of literature represented in our lectionary today, thank God for these gifts that may not look like gifts when you first open the box. Thank God for the one who is our redeemer and our brother, whose life transforms a text of terror with its threat of violence into an invitation to be part of the household of God. Jesus invites us to love unconditionally, to welcome the stranger, Thank God for the choice we're given every day to live into grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. Thank you.